1: wow i could really use current i also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales i guess i'll just go to their website at current.tech welcome to the vietnamese i'm your host kenneth wynn being part of a culture of nearly 100 million vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain proud history and privilege Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all over the world. Hey, Dan, how are you? Good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for coming on. Um, tell me about your evolution to becoming uh, the Vietnamese person that, that you are today. Um, I think
0: I think it, 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 made me, it took me to move back to Vietnam to really become... Um, to think about being Vietnamese. You know, um, when I, my parents are refugees and they came, you know, they came in 75, uh, like a lot of other families and parents. And I, in their 80s, in the 80s and stuff, I think it was very much about not, like not recognizing the old country. You know, like they still cared. Like we still spoke the language and ate the food and everything. I wasn't born until 87. And so they were pretty Americanized by the time I came around, but a lot of it just became like that other place. And so whatever they remember of Vietnam 75 was just that the country never doesn't evolve. There are no new people, whatever. That was there, you know, keep that timeline. And um, that's how Vietnam was to me for a long time. You know, even when I, I went and visited in 2000 with my mom. And when I was in middle school and um, you know, it was, it was still very developing, right? Like uh, the U S had just kind of let them out of the whole WTO fiasco. And so there were still dirt roads everywhere. And it was still very like, soda was sold in a bag and, you know, and you were just like, Oh, this is, this is, this is not the same country that I live in now. Like, thank gosh we left. And um, yeah, I think it took like actually living there and seeing like the day to day of things and being like, Oh, it's just, it's different. It's not behind. There are parts that are definitely a little slower, you know, developed in the US, but they're not behind. It's just a different experience, you know. And once you start being able to like put things in that level, then I started to go, okay, I got to go figure out what this, hmm. this part of my life was that I had missed for so long,
1: you know. What What brought you, what made you decide to move to Vietnam? Um,
0: just needing to see something different. Um, I had grown up in, Southern California, my whole life. Um, I'd want, you know, all of elementary, except for like a short stint in Ohio. Like I had lived primarily here, went to college here and um, I had wanted to be a journalist at some point in my life. And um, when I was in college, my sister and her husband were journalists up in the Bay and I was thinking like, Oh, they'll, they'll get me in somewhere. I'll intern and then I'll go write sports and whatever. And they, they, I remember my third year of college calling them and then you're like, We're we're getting out of this industry. Like Prince's gonna die like really quickly. And so you should, you know, you want to do it, that's great. But it's gonna be a really tough struggle. And so then I just got through college, unsure of what I wanted to do and was like, all right, well, I just need to see something, you know, what like
1: studying college.
0: I was studying English and film. Um, film was like yeah. Just secondary, um, I had gone to Long Beach and a lot of the English courses were like, you can take these screenwriting courses that will count or you could take this like poetry like 406 and I was like, yeah, I'm going to take the film classes. Like, you know, like I'm going to go, I'm going to go watch film and write. I'd rather do that. And it was a more prestigious um, college, oh. university because that was like, um, um, it was like one of Spielberg schools, um, other I know USC is, like, his alma mater, but he had, like, put a lot of money. And so then school was named after him. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to, like, take advantage of these humanity courses and go study some film. And, and, Beach, and right? all, like, all my interesting classmates in my English classes were also doing film. So, like, we'd get to sit around and watch a bunch of, you know. You, you, you said
1: you went to Cal State Long Beach, you said?
0: Yeah. So I went there. But I transferred there. So I was, in, I was going to community college at Mount Sac in Walnut. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Long Beach, um, afterwards and yeah, so that's, so I, 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 was studying film and I took the LSATs cause like every English student takes the LSATs, you know, like my parents were like, oh, you could be a lawyer. And I was like, sure, that doesn't sound bad. So I took the LSATs and then, um, interned at a immigration firm for a while and was like, I don't, I don't know if I want to do this. And yeah. so then, uh, then I was like, oh, I could go teach abroad for a while. And I was like looking at different schools in Vietnam uh, actually pays really well um, for an English, for people that are thinking about teaching English abroad because they were learning Russian for so long, right? For like from 75 to like 89, they were like, we are not learning English. We're going to learn Russian. And then after the Soviet Union fell, they were like, oh, okay, we're way behind on this international world thing. So then they started paying people in Vietnam, it was like one of the nicer countries that you can make a decent living teaching English. It was like that or the Middle East, you know, or like there's not many countries that pay really well to go to be able to live there. So
1: I went oh, to Vietnam. Yeah. So you get to Vietnam and you don't know anybody basically, right? No, nobody. You, you, you get there, no. you teach no. English, but you're not doing anything in the entertainment industry or uh, you don't have your ear to the ground or anything like that.
0: Yeah. No, I, I didn't, I didn't think about it in that way. I didn't think about it as a VQ necessarily. You know, I was like, um, I went there and so like all the other English teachers are travelers, mostly white, you know, and, and like and And um, so that's kind of the crowd I hung out in. And I would notice things that I thought were really cool. And like, I, I started to love the country a lot more just while, well, getting to live there, right, and, and getting to see this stuff, but I never really thought, like, oh, I, I want to shoot a movie, or I want to, I want to get into music out here. It was just like, oh, there's there's actually some decent music, or there's some really good movies that I saw, you know, that I would have had no idea about had I not lived there and watched and walked by a movie theater every day.
1: Yeah, and and it's so weird, bizarre to me because like the context of how you and I know each other is really film, film and music, right? That world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my existence. And when I think of Vietnam, I think of the entertainment business predominantly in my head. Because mm-hmm. all of our friends that came in two thousand you know, the early days would all came from LA or Orange County. And so when we meet people across uh you know the 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 in in Vietnam, it's predominantly for me entertainment business. But for to meet you going to Vietnam in the early days in two thousand seven and being an English teacher and have no, you, you have no reason to yeah. be there other than whatever you're there for, but nothing to do with entertainment is mind blowing to get from that point to where you are today, and we, I can't wait to get into that that story. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's quite a skip. It's it's quite a weird skip, you know. um Yeah, I, I think I was there like trying to see the place that you know my parents had fled. You know. Um, Trying to learn some things and trying to make some money, and it was like I could spend, you know, my early twenties um, entry-leveling at you know this this economy that was being decimated, right? Like we had just kind of come out of 2008, and everybody that I was, especially in the English world, was like still still working as a barista or still as a bartender, and it was fine. But I was like, I I I could skip all that and I could go do this for a while and live like royalty on a dollar, I guess. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So I did that. Yeah. So I did that.
1: So you did that for two years, you said?
0: Yeah. So I did that for a little, yeah, like two years, two and a half years, something around that one.
1: Yeah. What What made you say, all right, I'm done with this.
0: Um, I didn't actually think I was going to be done with it. I think my, um, I came back to visit, I came back um, to California to visit my family and I was about to apply i was applying at different countries because i was going to do it again but i was like "I, i should get out of vietnam and go see some stuff and um i was i was interviewing for istanbul for this college there and i was on a road trip with a friend across the country like i had landed in la and then we were driving to boston and at some point in utah i'm doing this like interview and cnn's playing behind me on this like zoom conference and there was an attack in Istanbul. Like there was some like, some guy went and shot up a, a tourist spot. And I was like, "Do you see what's happening on your side of the world right now?" And the and the guys are like, "No, what's going on?" And I'm like, uh, "There's a lot of people getting shot right now. Like I'm like watching this in real time as I'm doing this interview, and." Um, <laughs> And after that, my, like, my dad sits and talks to me. He's like, do you want to be an English teacher forever? And he was very, like, career-oriented of me. And I go, you know, like, no, you know, like, this is a way to see the world and do some stuff. And I, I, like, dabbled in probably these things that could have kept me there long, you know, like, kept me traveling abroad longer had I been more entrepreneurial at the time. But was like, "Ah, I should probably, okay, kind of get settled back into America and, you know, um, start my whatever my professional journey was going to be and so then I just stayed after that
1: and then you just stayed and what what happens like what what goes on in your mind at that time you're just like uh just got back from Vietnam and what are you gonna apply for
0: yeah I was just no I was I was just hopping careers for a minute like I was um I that law firm that I had um, that law firm that I interned for, I'd like gone back in cause I wanted some writing samples to, for some things that I'd written for the ninth circuit. And they go, well, if you want to, if you want a day job, you could just work here for a minute and then, you know, do whatever you want to do. So I was doing that. I was working there in the daytime. Um, some friends and I had like started a nonprofit for racing at that point. We'd started a videography business <laughs> at some point. And so then it was just kind of like throwing darts everywhere, you know, just trying to make sense of all of this because now i was 25 which is still considerably young in, in hindsight but at the time it was like oh my gosh i'm gonna be a 25 year old entry level marketer or you know whatever title my job title i was gonna have and i was like no nah, i might as well just start you know i might as well just start kind of dabbling and doing 20 things at once and seeing what sticks and yeah i just i think i've been kind of doing that ever since
1: you know yeah. And where does it go from there into music? Music
0: is by accident. You know, music is a was a complete accident to me. Um, I was in cars before. Um, I was building those Fast and the Furious body kit on like lowered civics and stuff for a company. And I, the cool thing about the automotive world is it's a real fraternity, you know? So you get to meet all these really cool people The industry itself is terrible but the but the people that are also in the cars are great and so i would meet i was meeting a lot of people um turned that job into an agency job um met apple and his manager at the time this guy named audi and they were never my clients but like because Apple is Filipino, always looked and look, always looked back at Asia as like what's happening next, and then I would talk to them about my experience of living in Vietnam and what I saw, you know. And I'm just like people, like the the num the popular the sheer population of everything, still blows my mind. And I think as the world starts opening up, you know, and becoming more globalized and everything, like that's what like that's what we got to explain. I'm like you spend so much money trying to make it in LA, which is cool. But uh, I was working at a digital marketing agency. So I used to have to explain like cost of acquisitions and stuff, you know, cost per clicks. And I was like, it's maybe 40, 50 cents if you can do it well per user in the US but we can just cheat code this and go to Philippines. Do you care where your million views come from? And he was like, no, not really. And I'm like, great. Cause for a hundred dollars I will get you a million views in the Philippines like that you know like it's not a big deal and you do and i was like if you make it in manila or you make it in saigon i was like saigon is two new yorks you know like at least two new yorks and everybody is 30 or younger
1: Penny for that click on
0: facebook ads exactly it's a penny for the click and they are slight they are so a little behind on figuring out what the internet is like and the, the exact use of the internet so all of this is way cheaper but that that divide is gonna.
1: But it's lasting every day. How long were you doing the agency work for before you Not met long.
0: Apple? Oh, um, I was in the agency for maybe a month.
1: I wasn't it, there? You started, or you were working for somebody?
0: I was working for somebody at this point. Um, they had hired that videography group that my friends and I had started. They had hired them, or they had hired the group to do to be their um, videography agents or group and um i was more of like an account exec i guess so like i was just more i was doing a lot more project managing but i would like hold the camera i do this and um i was like one of the only ones that had i think i might have been the only one that had like graduated college there's only a couple of us that had graduated college in that agency and so they were like you go do those kinds of meetings for us so they they would stick me in these rooms that like i had they weren't my clients and I had no real business communicating with, but like Apple and I got along and Audi and I got along and then um, the agency was terrible. So I like left one day and I was like going to leave and I, I'm talking to Audi, and I'm like, eh, I can use a letter of rec. And he was like, Oh, just come over here. Like take whatever you're doing, just bring it over here and just hang out with us for a while. And so, so I got my job. I've been here for Almost five years now. To be my
1: fifth year. The the kind of luck that happens in a human being's life is seriously. I see it over and over and over in the stories. Uh, I I I used to think, I used to think luck had nothing to do with anything. Right when I was growing up, I was like, fuck luck. It doesn't doesn't mean shit. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, you get to a point where it's okay. Maybe it's like a few percentage points of your you know your success. And then I got to a point where it's like fifty percent of your success is luck right Mm -hmm. i don't look at it that way anymore i i think it's an overwhelming majority 80 to 90 percent of a person's success it's
0: all luck it's all it's it's being prepared for when that lucky moment hits you but it's luck you know what i mean like like your parents they come to america they don't like your life is completely different you know Mm -hmm. Like you could have done everything the same in your in your set of like you could have made every same decision. But growing up where you grew up changes everything, you know, um,
1: who you're born into, too. Yeah, exactly.
0: Who you're born into, what random party you decided to go to and who you meet and that whole, you know, in that whole world. Yeah. So it's
1: like the ran- most random thing. But now they're okay. There's so now there's two things that are standing out in my brain right now about you, um, the car culture, and we talked about the sneaker culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they there's a lot probably a lot of parallels between the two cultures. But why is the sneaker culture? And I, I want to know this because I don't know it. Yeah. Why is it so important in the world of um, I don't know inner city or why why is it such a thing? I- I think like, it's
0: always been a thing. Like there is like in music and hip hop, especially, right? Like Jordan's and Air Max's, and it's a status symbol in the cities, especially in like New York, right? Like the shoes become something. And this, and this, it's like film and everything. It's the story of what makes the shoe and its, and its context and history that'll like let it live on, right? Like Jordan hasn't played a meaningful game in 25 years. But kids are like all about that. You know, they're like, they're buying shoes that they have no idea what they are. And it's because somebody's told a story or somebody, um, especially like early rappers, they like explain their, their struggle and their hustle to get a pair of these pairs of shoes, right? Like this dude sold $300 worth of drugs when he was 16 and decided to buy a pair of shoes over something else. You know, and then that becomes revered and revered, and then, um, and then it becomes a re, it became a resale game at a lot of various points. So A lot of like entrepreneurs, um, especially when you're younger and from the city, then it's all about kind of hustling. That right, buying a hundred dollar pair of the shoes and selling it for one hundred fifty, buying two pairs, selling one so you can keep the other ones for free. You know, and I think that becomes a big part of the culture, and then it becomes an extension of art also right like the color the colorways the materials the the scarcity you know the the only way to really acknowledge that you know right to communicate to somebody else like yeah i i've like i know what's going on because i'm wearing these shoes right so you're communicating and it becomes like at a party you're just like yeah that person that person knows what's up you know it's a way to like yeah, exactly. It's a way to kind of um, represent, not represent, you know, yeah, yourself to the world to communicate that you are about this culture.
1: I, I can imagine that there's levels to this shit too, right? To the game. To there are crazy game. levels. There are
0: crazy levels. And social media has really changed things. Like, um, I when I was in high school, in college, I was buying shoes. And, you know, I remember spending like, hundred dollars on a pair of shoes and it might like my family's just looking at me like what are you doing i'm like no those resell for like what two hundred dollars right and they were like after you've worn them they're still gonna resell for two hundred dollars i was like yeah as long as i wear them a couple of times only or whatever um i remember one time coming home with a pair of um fifteen hundred dollar shoes uh, i was um nikes i was um 18 uh, i was going to community college and my my dad's looking at me like you spent what they're called the the Pears, if you ever find them. They're these Nike dunk skateboarding shoes. And they were $1,500 at the time. And uh, I sold them. I, I wore them maybe once, and I sold them for, like, two grand, maybe three years later, and it was, like, genius. Now, $80,000. Oh, my God. You could – like, I had this, like, massive collection of shoes. that when I moved to Vietnam, I sold off a bunch, right, because I was trying to be a minimalist, and I was trying to, like, think about – um. I was trying to think about like I only want to have the possessions that can fit in a suitcase. Like that's my life, or or in a bag. And now I'm like, I could have bought a house on just shoes. A third of my collection, not even like my whole thing. And they just, and there's things like Travis Scott will wear a pair of shoes and he'll put them on an Instagram story, and the value will go up a thousand dollars or up two thousand. And they're just random shoes. And he he's like in his twenties, I believe is trying to rep shoes from the mid-2000s one because he's like, I'm an OG because I wanted these shoes when I was 14 and couldn't afford them. And here they are, you know? And so he's trying to communicate or harken that he knows what's up.
1: That's like a meta, that's a meta, meta shit, right? Because yeah, like, exactly. I belong to that. Yeah. It, like it's, it's some inception shit. Like it,
0: it is. It's another, so but there are people who are holding entire collections and stockpiles of stuff waiting for a dude to tweet or Instagram story with his outfit and it changing the value of whatever. It's just it It makes no sense. But, you know,
1: it's just it's what it is. It's crazy. Are, are you still into the car culture and the sneaker culture?
0: I am um, a little older, though, but like it's I have to struggle because I, I know how little, like anybody gets paid on the process of this, you know? And so like when I had moved to Vietnam, um, I had, I I brought like all my cool air maxes with me and stuff like that. I was like, man, I'm going to be, I'm going to be flossing on this. And I remember my secretary at the school was like, don't wear those shoes. Like they're, like they they treat people so terribly, and I knew like knew about fast fashion, but I never really thought about fast fashion, you know. And um, and then like I had when I was living in Vietnam, I had to go see it. I had to go be like, where are they making this? Like, what are the living? And so like, starting game perspective of like, this really did cost one dollar to make, you know. There's a dude in New York who got stabbed on these shoes, for what a kid made for a dollar, maybe, you know. It's just it, it, it's weird it's like like you you want to be conscious and you want to like be like a, a good sustainable consumer and stuff and you want to preach and pre- practice these things but yeah i still like shoes and i still like cars
1: unfortunately
0: These <laughs> things that are like not great for the economy <laughs> so, And like and with like our people in like a major disproportion of like the bad end of this right like, we have no benefit from this except I'm like <laughs> Yeah, but that dude at that dude at the McDonald's, he saw me. You know, he saw me wear this rare colorway when I got out of my car for two seconds to get a Big Mac. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, it's so stupid. Levels to everything, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. It's a game. So,
1: so oh, you, man. Audi, have has you come over to work, and then. Like, you're, I can't imagine your first day you're like okay I mean was there like a sort of a talk about like okay here's your job description come on over this is what you're gonna be doing for us or just come chill at the pad and then we'll find something for you to do
0: It it's more like the
1: latter like
0: there what? there wasn't like a real job description there was like the instances was like he's like all right you can write right and I'm like yeah I could write I could write decently well I can write copy and I can write um, legal jargon and I can write all these things that I've like trained myself and so if if you want to make that my job description like I'm gonna be the the communicator. I'm gonna write your newsletters and your Instagram posts and whatever I'll do that and he was like yeah okay just just come hang out so you just came hang out I, I would just come hung out, hung out, uh, hung out with him and and then I just never left, you know, he left at some point, everybody's left. And it's just like, and at this point in time, it's just like, it's Apple and I, I mean, there's a whole peas universe, you know, that, and we all, that's bigger than this, but in terms of Apple and I, it's just Apple so <laughs> we're just sitting around like, man, what's going on? But in a good way, it's, it's been cool. It's been a, it's been a really fun, it's been a really fun job description so far, you know?
1: Yeah. I, I want to know more of it um so what exactly does this morph into it morphs okay.
0: into yeah it morphs into a lot of project management okay like that's probably the that's probably like the bones of what my job is right it's project management and um, ideation and you know it's just it's project management but then, some of the things like I have to actually design or think about some of these things are like, this is what's going on in the world today. Like, let's jump on this or like, wouldn't this be cool? You know, and a lot of it, like a lot of it comes over alcohol some days, you know, we're just sitting around shooting the ships, having some tequila or something like that. And he goes, well, wouldn't it be cool if we had an apple pipe Yes, it would be cool if we had an apple pipe. So now we have an apple pipe, you know, and there are things like. Can you talk um, about that? Huh? Can I talk about the apple pipe? Yes. Yeah. Um, so the apple pipe is, uh, it's like a, of I'll show you. So it's just a little ceramic apple pipe, you know, the bowls here. And everybody has, um. A lot, you know, everybody kind of has a story about smoking out of an apple at some point in their use. And for us, like, um, we really like ceramics because glass just gets dirty, you know, and as you get older, you can't really like have it displayed as much. So you're like, you're like hosting people. You're like, hide the bomb, hide the pipe. You're like, oh my gosh, like, I feel, I feel like I'm in college again, <laughs> like just hide all this stuff. And so we wanted to make stuff that you can leave around the house and it would look like uh, would look like a home good but you could also have some function out of it and so we're doing um i don't know when our episode this episode will be coming but um this uh, this red apple right here will be the first one that drops and then we'll be treating them like colors and we're going to treat them like sneakers essentially you know oh. so there'll be colorways and there'll be um we'll we'll play with scarcity a bit we'll um we'll do some artist series we'll play with the packaging we're just gonna evolve this out but this is this is number one
1: see dan i knew there was something more to you man this <laughs> is so interesting yeah so, so yeah but it's, it's been a lot of that i think
0: um i, I had to like you know i had always i'd always liked design and projects and so yeah. it became a thing of like oh i should just do all these things you know i should just and and it like there's Vietnam we do manufacturing like that's what we actually do you know and uh and I never it it took me so long to like put together that art and design where like this whole thing that is actually what makes the product right like it, it it never like really occurred to me what was going on like Nike I'm like these shoes are in no way the best for anything they're just not the colors are great but the, the technology, it's like even like what they're like, it's an old shoe from the 80s that are still selling for $80,000 today. I'm like, how? How, right? Except this resell inflated market. But yeah, there's, it's, it, they tell you it's a shoe from the 80s. It used to be a basketball shoe. That was not a good basketball shoe. You know, it's like, it has no technology to it, but people will spend that. And so, yeah.
1: Okay, so obviously Apple has the Apple name, but who came up with the idea to come out with this product? Uh, it
0: became a it became a mixture of things. So Rosalina who is actually um, was key in this. She was like, "Oh yeah, Apple, Apple," and we had been talking about it internally for a long time and it just been something that was like on the back burner of our projects list and then so she introduced us um to britney and we started putting this together and then we started thinking about like well what else can this be you know an apple is cool but how do you make somebody buy more than one you know how do you how do you evolve this how do you how how do you get luxurious about this how do you how do you give back how do you create social impact how do you tell stories you know like because that's how that's what that's what the apple is for us right like we want to tell stories with it and for a lot of people like they kind of get the same thing they pick it up and they and they tell their story about the first time they poked a hole in an apple and got and got high in mom's backyard and you know we're like yeah we're like we want that we want the storytelling that comes from this and we want all of our life stories and all of our points culture points to kind of hit in this in different ways and stretch this out so
1: and, and and where are they who designed it where are they produced how how is it going to be distributed
0: um so okay i'm not going to say how it's being distributed or how it's being manufactured right now but uh so Brittany rosalina's um, daughter actually designed the first one for us and then um We've been, it took a lot of R and D into making like whole sizes and bowl sizes and things like that. So we've been working on that. And then uh, distribution will mostly be e-commerce. Like we're, we're partnering with a couple of dispensaries um, that will help with branding, you know, will help with like our marketing, but we really want to own this whole thing, you know, like in e-commerce makes it so much easier now to just distribute around and yeah. keep the lion's share of the profits and
1: build our own brand. Absolutely. Yeah. And what other projects like this um, have you gotten into? Um,
0: we have a product so most of my work comes through the Philippines and trying to take Apple's fame and likeness over there and see how many ways we can do this cool stuff. Um, we're doing a we're doing a sauce company which is um we're gonna make like a soy sauce and a vinegar and a fish sauce and stuff um so we're doing that we're rebranding a filipino supermarket like their homeware design like just like their house brands and Mm -hmm. we want that trust like when we send our our non-filipino friends really into this into the supermarket a lot of times the food is good, but the packaging is terrible. Right. And so they're like looking at it going like, I, is this any good? It's like, am I going to get lead or something? It's like, and that becomes all an exercise in art, right? Like how do you get somebody to trust the Asian aisle at a grocery store or an entire Asian store? And how do you, how do you make uh, like a 99 ranch or something become people of our generations um top of mind grocery store because that was like my parents you know like now it's like my my soy sauce selection is limited to what my trader joe's and my pavilions is doing you know and i'm like how do you elevate yeah so we're working on that um we're working on a clothesline and then we're working on sneakers
1: yeah 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 so most of your work is it sounds like it's project management but what about like the music side of of apple's um existence we
0: do we have we have a song coming out it's just apples um and a and a a k-pop singer that i can't talk about right now Mm -hmm. but we're we're creating this uh, um solo album for apple to talk to the asian market again and make mm-hmm. music that asia wants to come around with um when i first met apple there was a record label co- that they created called boombox which was um targeted towards the southeast asian market and there's some cool investors on there and there's some really cool people that came out of there um, and ultimately jessica and jerry soul comes out of there right she becomes our first major person but it, to develop her, we had to like bring her to America, which was an expensive endeavor, right? We've had her for four years. She's done really well. Things have worked out, but it took that. Like it took bringing her here, housing her, putting her in our facilities, putting her through a camp. And we don't want to do that again. So we're like, we want to, we're using Apple's album to kind of begin conversations again with Asia and see because the the music marketing and age has changed so much in a good way. It's just evolved. I think so much farther than even like the first 5 years, you know, when I first got in here and was like looking what uh, what was out there. There's just so much better music today and um we want to play
1: that. You know, um before we go further, I want to ask about bringing somebody like a Jay-Ray. Mm-hmm. It, it takes a lot of Um, you you say it's expensive, and you say it's it it was you know something that you don't want to repeat again. I can I can totally see why, but even before you even brought Jay Ray in, it's like to do that to um to anyone to bring them in from Asia, they have to come with a certain uh, understanding of because when you look at hear Jay Ray speak. You kind of don't know that she grew up in the Philippines and, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. For all you know, you yeah, yeah. grew up in New York. You know, you mm-hmm. really, there's, it's indistinguishable. I guess that's what I'm getting at. If you wanted to bring a Vietnamese pop star from Vietnam to the US to do that sort of transition, mm-hmm. that would be, in my head, likely impossible to do.
0: It's hard. And it, so like, Like K-pop always fascinates me because they were able to make something so popular speaking a language that 95% of the world doesn't speak. You know, Um, like I was in, I was in Chicago last year and I happened to be there when BTS had done like a three-day event and the plane, when I was flying back to LA, like everyone on that plane had a BTS hoodie. It was crazy. And most of them weren't Asian, you know? there's black and whites and Spanish and everybody. And I'm just like, you guys don't, you don't even understand what they're saying. Like, except for like the parcel of English that they put in the chorus deliberately, mm-hmm. you don't know anything that they're saying. And they're like, they don't care. And I mean, that's kind of the beauty of this music that you can do that in a way, but I think it takes It takes a lot of government support, right? Like knowing what you know about South Korea and the entertainment industry, it was all a very deliberate effort. They were all in. They were all in, right? Like the government has paid and cut not cut corners, but like really established a foothold to make all, you know, K-pop and K-drama and stuff like that um, a real, real thing because you can sell product through that, right? Once you... Once you communicate, once you're able to communicate language with people like that, or communicate culture, then you can start pushing stuff and and getting a bigger market share. And you know, and that battle goes on with everything. Um, Indonesia is starting to do it now. Like they're like the, in the Indonesian government starting to put money in into cult in like cultural places like ComplexCon, and they have um. There's a group called Ada Rising that's you know big Indonesian based. Um, so. It is possible for Vietnam, but it takes, coordination. it takes It takes a lot of coordination from every end to make it work, you know. You got to have products that you want to push, you know. Like, it's great that you make a Vietnamese music video or something like that. You want to make sure, you know, like whatever, then that music video is um, helping the economy
1: move along. Yeah. yeah. It's, but, uh, it, uh, I can't wait. I, I hope that there will be a day that the Vietnamese um, – music industry exports out to just not only the US but to the world right the way the yeah, guy-
0: yeah i i hope so i hope so and you see like i mean what you guys are doing and what's happening in movies is really cool you know that seems to be the first pillar that everyone that i can see some noticeable movement you know yeah. music music is going to be a little bit of a struggle but it'll get there I hope so, but it's gonna take. It'll take some real. Um, it'll it'll take some real coordination, I think, on a lot of parts. And producers, producers can really make that go faster. You Absolutely.
1: know, yeah. there's a facility. Yeah. but like a J Ray is, you know, is so um, r- probably I, you know, we I don't know yeah. of of her training, but to have a J Ray level a performer from vietnam come over and do years and uh become that kind of like at that level it's it's mind-blowing to me to to see um the you know it, it's, again like i said it feels like she's from new york or something and you know you just plucked her from new york and and put her right into the formula and she's like rocking and rolling
0: yeah no there. i mean there was a lot of behind the scenes work right if you I'm gonna embarrass her, but it's like if you Google early Jessica Renoso, because Apple discovered her on The Voice, right? And she was, you know, a kid and she had this big afro and this whole thing, and she was, um, she was a child singer. She was on like singing shows when she was five, um, but it takes a lot of development. I mean, she's, um, she's an anomaly and just she's so talented just by herself. Like she. I've, I've watched her sing Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey stuff and Ariana Grande, and she just has no problem. It's like not a, not a challenge to her. She'll just sit there. Like we'll be driving in a car, and she'll be knocking out. Yeah, just nailing runs, and you're like, okay, okay. Like she's an anomaly for sure, yeah. um, and she's you know she's super talented. Um, but there are people. There will be. There could be people that come from Vietnam, and I hope so. I hope like you know. I hope the internet opens up something to Vietnam um, and, and seeing how other music around the world is going. Um.
1: I, I mean if you if you think about it, right? If you think about the mainstream billboard, mm-hmm. there's no um, I mean, other than the K-pop sensation, there's really no Asian American, like heavy hitting like Apple or J. Ray. Um, I mean, even within the Filipino community, those two are the probably the biggest names, right?
0: Uh yeah. I mean, there's a couple like well, like Bruno Mars is huge, oh, yeah. but he's but he's like um he he happens to be Filipino, right? Like he's not he's not like a product of the Philippines. He's okay, from yeah. Hawaiian child songs and stuff like that. Um they have more like classic ones like Laya Salonga, yeah. you know, she did Miss Saigon and stuff she's a big, she's a big deal of that, elk, but not pop star billboards like that. Yeah. That's still, it's still coming, you know, but I, I think it'll happen sooner than later.
1: And, and is it important for our community or for our society in, in the Vietnamese context to have somebody cross over or fuck it, let's just stay with our 95 million in country and let's just haul ass and kick ass and, and, and be big there. Is it important to cross over?
0: I think it's important to cross over to show that it's possible, right? Like I, I always like believed all those things were really corny about, um, oh, it's about community and supporting and all these things that like, I like did not want to like really, like I would do it privately, but I was not trying to like be out on the on the front lines embracing it, you know? But it is, it is important that it's possible, right? It is important that people know that you can do this and and not even just from like trying to tell somebody to be a pop star is like is like one of the most irresponsible things you can ever do right but having people understand that like your child is an artist and like is into painting or music or whatever is not a death sentence right like this is one of the only economies that still works in the U.S., you know, or wherever, like content is a big, big thing. And so it's not a death sentence, but you got to figure out how to um, take that kid's interest in something and help nurture it, I think, you know, and I think um, having some crossover appeal works for people over, like Vietnamese parents in America who might be coming up with this, you know, might like have a kid coming up and going, I can't. I can't support my child going into the arts, you know? Like that's not, that's not for me. And it's like, no, people make a really good living doing this and you'll like let your kid be happy, which is what you probably want in the first place, right? Just show them, like show them the backbone of all of this. Um, We pay tons of money to sample music, so.
1: It's hard to come from a survivor sort of, you know, uh, generation and cross over and be like, oh, there's like an abundance in the creative side, you know, that's hard. It's, it's a hard, uh, mental process to kind of, it's a threshold that you have to kind of like really jump into the deep end and go, oh no, it's possible. It's very possible. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one, but it's something that I think it's something that like, we have to be able to be better at telling that the story and the process of, right. Um, in the Philippines uh, in 2018, uh, Apple and I were like going around the country and like trying to do these like creative meetups and stuff like that. And we were answering that topic question, right? Like parents would ask, well, my kid wants to be a creative. How do I kind of stop this? Right. Or like, what does this mean? And, you know, we're like, the China economy it, it helps but it, like if you know everybody on the line like I'm sorry to bring it back to sneakers but like um there's uh, up in the bay that we have a friend named Mark who helped design some of these like Nikes that were really um um that were really special you know like the, those Nike SDBs like those $80,000 shoes and stuff so that was designed by he's Filipino super Filipino dude Then they were made in Asia for a dollar, you know, and all the working conditions, terrible work conditions. And then it was brought back here. And then some of our friends, uh, we have a friend in Christina, um, who is now the person that heads Rihanna's companies, like Fenty and stuff, it's Filipino lady, marketing these shoes to be sold back in Asia for USD, right? Like $150 or whatever, when their their cousin made it for a dollar. And all that money goes to US. And then it gets shelved here, right? And none, and so like in no part of the process were we properly compensated for this stuff, right? But it's like all creative people, all on, all down the line, and that happens in music, that happens in film, and that happens everywhere. And it's just about getting that conversation, you know what I mean, to out there and be like, yeah, there's more of us. Like at at dinner last week, like. Those are probably some of the most successful people, right? Like just all around in a circle. Like it was, it was such a beautiful thing, right? But like we probably all grew up very similarly. If not for Tony, if not for Tony to like opening that up to us, you would not think. But like he he inspired, you know, how many people? But like twenty people at least at that table alone. Yeah,
1: that you know thousands. You know, he's probably influenced thousands of people. Yeah,
0: no, like we, we showed, I like took an Asian studies course at college and they showed that movie, they showed three seasons, you know? so, and she was showing that for whatever, since her tenure for like, that was probably a decade after the movie came out. So she was showing that movie to every class and everything. And people were coming out of there over and over and over, like it's huge, you know? And that's, that's the power of it all. But, you know, it's important to get some kind of representation, some kind of recognition, you know?
1: Yeah, sometimes I get fatigued talking about representation. I know I shouldn't be saying that, but it, it's, you know, because it's a privilege to even have the ability to talk about representation, right? So that's, that's, it's kind of fucked up that I even said that, but <laughs> right?
0: no, but it's true. It's totally true. Like it, it means something. Yeah. It means something.
1: But, but, it, but it's almost like, why can't we just all uh, be recognized, but we're not? It's just not. We're not recognized, and we're not. You know, the doors aren't wide open for, for people of color. Uh, yeah. But it yeah. gets tiring. You know, fuck. It just gets tiring to because you know, like my wife grew up in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother now lives in Vietnam for you know close to twenty years now. There's none of that shit going on. There, it's like hegemonic. It's just one big massive monolith of inside Vietnam, and they don't have to deal with these struggles that we're going through
0: yeah but it's like you in like Vietnam like you they're like oh yeah you put a Vietnamese person on the can on screen like yeah people are going to be able to support that because they could see themselves right and it's like it's weird that it doesn't happen in Asia but like every other statistic tells you like our community has money like we like per capita we are the richest people you know whatever uh we control this we control that and it's like I don't know if it'll work well. And like, it's a crazy rich Asians, you know? And then before that, they were like, not since joy luck club. I'm like, it took you guys 25 years to like restart this formula. Like joy luck club worked out. Crazy rich Asians worked out. What was happening in the 25 years in between here that you thought that this might not work out?
1: You know, They 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 were making money on white people. White people were making money with white people and, you know, and and that's yeah in 25 years they won't give a fuck they're just like yeah you're not gonna make money on asian people it's making money on their own and but like when did i, I want to know like
0: when did it not work with asian people on camera you know what i mean like
1: yeah that's a good question It 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 it, it it's it goes back to maybe a deliberate
0: yeah, like, I, I feel like it has to be deliberate. Like, when, you, yeah. when you're going to make a movie about the Great, Great Wall, Wall and cast Matt Damon, right? Like, that's a conscious decision to be like, yeah, Matt Damon's the guy for us, you know? Or, like, how hard is it to, like, go do CGI on, you know, somebody to, like, make their eyes fall or to put Tom Cruise or make a white Goku, you know? You're just, like... That takes a lot of mental gymnastics and you know maybe like people will, i'm hoping somebody will like show me and they're like yeah these 10 times that we try to cast an all-asian cast backfired and that's why it's not and that's why we didn't do it for 10 years you know or 20 years but yeah to make but, these uh, like conscious decisions
1: I, I think another um another sort of addition to this formula and this this topic is also maybe that we didn't have the trained craftsmen in, in, in acting and writing. And cause our parents wouldn't let us do it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, we, mm-hmm. so that representation is chopped down from the fucking get go inside of our own house, our own household. Yeah, It's like, no, you got to go do yeah. the other like other white collar shit. You can't go do, you know, what we need in the entertainment industry. We don't need that representation. We need to fucking survive. We're like, we just got off the, the boat and we yeah. just need a we need to eat. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. All, you know, like even I, I talk about this with the guys sometimes. It's like, okay, even if you had a a great project right now, you and I, we sat down, we wrote a, a great movie, and we got this mm-hmm. like badass like minari sort of like you know, movie. Well, where's your Stephen Yoon in 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 our community? Where's our Vietnamese Stephen Yoon? Yeah, where is that guy? Yeah, that's no. yeah. It's it, no, so you
0: know it's true. It's like
1: demons of the world, right?
0: <laughs> no, exactly. What it's like. It's like I, I loved whatever one that was going around when they like photoshopped John Cho into like every like major motion <laughs> poster I'm like, yeah, it sucks though. It's like that it's not one person, right? It's like you have like three people and if they can't, they're like, you know, Stephen Cho, like, unless you can be the next born, yeah. I we're gonna take you out of all of these things, you know, or everybody's like comedic relief. Really. And it's it's frustrating because it's like LA, it's supposed to be such a progressive place, right? Like we're supposed to be we are, this is the city that is bringing America into hell it's supposed with all our, you know, yeah. with all our heathenism and progressives and it's like this is not even like talked about. Like this is not even a a, it's a blip on the radar.
1: Well, at the end of the day, I think it's just money drives everything. Metrics and money, you know, drives things and it just takes a while to sort of get things into place uh, from, from an Asian sort of like um, from the Asian players, they just gotta, we've got to grease the wheels and, and make things work uh, on our end.
0: Yeah. The
1: thing is we have
0: it now, right? We like we, ha- we have it now we have money, we have power, we have VCs and, you know, angel corps and all these people that um, are going to help push this narrative. So now it's about, you know, making sure that we just, hit it together like yeah. that everybody comes in and and represents and you know this whole community effort of supporting each other and like i you know like as much as i hate talking about those things it's like yeah this is kind of what we need you know we yeah. got to be it's sucks to have to be so deliberate about it in the beginning to make you go
1: yeah for sure for sure but people like uh rosalina and you know um bow and and anderson and all these guys that they they're very focused on you know the community building and and having you know vietnamese people be put on the map and it's 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 happening these guys are really you know mm-hmm. making it happen. what can i can we go back to um sort of the, the the work that you do with apple it's like do you do any um actual management like of his tour schedule or putting that side together
0: yeah um I I do a lot of like the calendar work like that used to be somebody and then at some point it just became me um so there's like a like for the calendar guys like the p's will be like these are the dates that we're looking at you know let us know what you got and so then we all kind of put our own calendars in there and then we just kind of then we kind of negotiate and make it work on what makes sense for everybody you know um some projects, like a lot of times, it's going to be the P stuff. For you know, like they're like they want to pay us this much to do this gig in Europe, and you know, we're like, all right, well, let's move this date, and we'll come back and do, let's do that, and then we'll you know we'll fly back, we'll or we'll call, we'll take a layover, you know, we'll go do this other thing.
1: And do you have to go with Apple on all like every trip? No, um
0: the P's as a machine, like I we go once in a, I'll go once in a while, but they they've been doing this for 20 some odd years you know they kind of have a whole setup and with festivals now it's even easier just because it's like you got 50 minutes some other management groups building the stage and most of the lighting and stuff like that so you just show up yeah show up with your costumes give us you know tell us what you're going to do tell us what the lighting is and we'll we'll make it work so music in that way has been um has been easier. That's why so many people tour now. Right. Because you don't even have to, you market, like you're still going to market, but it's not in the same levels. Right.
1: right. You, you know, one of my questions that we had talked about earlier was um, the, the, the changing landscape of the music business. Um, and it feels like, like the more I talk to you, I, I think about your project management and having these ancillary streams of income for um, Apple. Um wouldn't probably be so important in the artist's life if you know the the old ways of making money in the business was still around like before streaming you know they sold dvds they saw i mean dvd uh cds right they just sold Mm -hmm. actual products but now with the absence of all that and streaming taking over and you know really depleting the revenue streams guys like you having to come in to brainstorm and 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 now create these ancillary it's it's much bigger for a person like you but has it changed to the point where all these projects are building bigger streams of money than the actual um cds that were sold in the back in the day before streaming is it making up for yeah, it yeah yeah
0: uh... It doesn't, it it doesn't, it doesn't, like I, what really kind of matters when, even back then when they were selling CDs, right, was um, if they had a label and what, and what the label held. At some point in time, the label held much more power, right, because there wasn't this technology, you know, you couldn't just go on a distro kit and put your music out there, and radio was, you know, this huge governing force of what was cool, and now, not so much right like it's still helpful and it's still great to be on the radio but it's not you know like takashi 69 does these crazy numbers and it was a bunch of kids and it's like but if you don't get tuned into takashi 69 then you can avoid him almost completely right outside of like billboards and like static ads like you don't have to encounter that world um and so these other platforms i think I think what people in like my position do is figure out like how do you make the most of your time in the spotlight, you know, um, because all of these people, like the peas were probably like one of the most like commercialized yeah. acts in the 2000s, right? Like they were they were like introducing me like when I landed in O'Hare, just like it's the Black Eyed Peas and welcome to Chicago. And you're like, how? Who, who thought to pay you to do this? And now it's like, okay, well, while you have this platform, it's been um, it's, it's great that it's been democratized in this way, but the like, yeah, the physical, like what you make on a stream sucks. Right. yeah Like for a thousand streams, you make eight cents and that's eight cents for the whole pie, you know, and that's to be cut with the writers and the producers and the vocalists it sucks. But there are so many other avenues to, to to recompensate for that stuff you know and you can it can be cheaper so yeah um touring is still great you know touring has always been everybody's and why you see um bands that will just come out like these are like reunion bands that are like yeah guts and roses is coming back they've they've been broken up for 10 years but uh, you can't say no to catella you know yeah so yeah so that stuff so it's so in that way it's um it's, it's been better for uh, artists, I think. I think, like, if you're just trying to look at the physical views of what your streams are and how much you're getting paid, that sucks. But, like, I hope, but also, like, a lot more artists are, like, I think they're trying to come in as, as a much more complete person with, like, a lot more hyphens to their names, you know? So then it becomes about collaborating with other people and getting stuff out there. It's about making products, and it's about being an art, an actor when you can, and doing and just building your own personal brand. And um, it, it's still a great avenue for that.
1: Yeah. yeah. How much of, of the P's work did you know before coming in? How much of their catalog, their library, did you kind of? No, I knew.
0: Um, I really liked their first two albums um, before I ever knew them, and there that was sort of like the two that nobody listens to, that was before Fergie. And so that was like, I used to be into uh, break dancing and stuff. And I like loved that kind of music. And so I loved those two albums. I knew like the singles, like I can, like I obviously knew Where's the Love and I knew some of the other songs, but I didn't. admittedly did not know as much as I probably could have. Like I remember uh, when I first started working with Apple, I was talking to a friend of mine, he's like, tell them thank you for making yesterday such like it's one of my favorites i'm like what what song is this and they were like you don't know yesterday and i was like no no so i'm like here like downloading and learning everything about them
1: yeah and that was my next question how much downloading and how much learning and how much is sort of infiltrating the, the 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 whole brand did you have to to do in order to move the the ball for apple
0: a lot i mean i just had to like really learn the music that i didn't um no like i i like the music but it was never my like favorite type of music but they have such hardcore fans you know that you have to um that you're like oh you this person you know in italy cannot know more about their music than me that's you know, this cannot happen. So I had to like really learn that process for a while and it just kind of absorbed myself in all the music and all the like backstories and all the like you know, you become you become a representative of theirs, you know, of the camp that you gotta just kind of know all these backstories.
1: What uh what can you say to the 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 idea of like there is something definite about the success of a group like the peas their longevity like Aerosmith or is there something that you can say that there that you can pinpoint and go here's why these guys are the shit here's why they've existed this long is uh, working with this within that world for this long now can can you quantify or qualify it in your mind?
0: I don't know if I could qualify. I don't know if I can quantify it to anything. I don't want to be lazy and just say, oh, it's it's hard work and determination. Like they, there's a real backstory to them. Like a lot of people in Hollywood really work, right? Like there's no short shortage of that. Um, being true and making like really timeless things. They, the piece did a really good job of like sticking to a memory of people. And I think like the really longevity groups have that, right? Like where's the love hit at this perfect moment of like America's consciousness and trying to decide, you know, what were we doing in the middle East? And then I got a feeling hits in a way that Obama gets elected and Mm. the world, the country feels like it's in a better place. And, you know, and they figured out that kind of cheat code to be attached to people's memories. Great answer, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's what they've like collectively figured out. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's crazy watching them make music. Um, Cause I, sometimes I get a little upset. I'm like, oh, some of these words are lazy. Like you clearly are lazy about this song right now, like lyrically, but then like production wise, they're just like, nope. And they'll, it's a, they figured out the formula and you're like, all right, cool. Beautiful, beautiful stuff right there
1: yeah it's a great answer i never. it's like zeitgeist right they got they got a direct line to the zeitgeist like if not mm-hmm. just creating zeitgeist or yeah
0: yeah 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 I, I think that's what they've i think they've kind of sorted that out with amongst themselves and how to just kind of constantly hit that and they've yeah yeah i i would hope i don't know like there's i'm trying to think it's weird to think like they um
1: how do i say it um yeah never mind yeah that's that's kind of an answer and what about the longevity of staying together and working together for that long i mean I'm, it must be difficult right three dudes four four people
0: it, yeah three dudes 20 some odd years you know and going back to our beginning to, of like chance like for apple like will was the first person in america that he met you know like
1: shit really
0: yeah like when will gets like when apple gets brought to america for the first real time like when he actually like gets adopted and brought here um his adoptive father talks to his friend and his friends the neighborhood mom like for everybody right she's like the cul-de-sac mom and so she has her son stay home from a couple of days to hang out with Apple. And that person happens to be Will. Will like, happening? Huh? Where's this? Is happening in um this is happening in East LA. In oh, Boyle it's here. Yeah, it's in Boyle Heights. That's where they meet. Yeah. Very first person that Apple meets, you know. And for and it's crazy because like for Apple, he's like. Yeah, I'm gonna trust Will with my life like that dude that dude like was the, like I didn't even know English until I met this dude like really well and in a year or a couple of years has me signed to a record label he was signed to Easy e you know and and I like I think they saw so much together in those early stages you know that was like yeah I I went from I, I went from like Raising Water Buffalo to
1: Oh no, this is serious. Like for real, like going yeah. to landscape.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Going like literally water, like great, you know, raising water Buffalo like Apple told stories about like having to bury his homework on one side of the river so that it wouldn't flood over doing it, burying it underneath, crossing the river, coming back in the morning, undigging it and bringing it in. Like that was his childhood. And to go from there to doing the super bowl you know it's like like no no amount of um tension or you know creative differences or whatever or this shit is ever going to break that
1: yeah Uh, and that's the kind of shit that like propels like when you go through that kind of life and you're given an opportunity to do something like this yeah it's it's just so valuable
0: yeah Yeah, no, exactly. He, you know, he figured out a way to, he, he was legally, well, he's more than legally blind. He's blind, you know, he was blind for so long that it was like, you couldn't even, can you imagine being like blind and growing up in a, you know, in a um, province of the Philippines and it was like, the, the other option of what your life might've been is definitely not this, right? And it's still racist. I'm like, and you're half black, like. Even this, like, your, even your skin tone, like, life would have been a difficult, difficult struggle if this didn't,
1: you know? How did they, dis- how did, how did he get discovered or how did they, how did he get to the US? Um,
0: he was on, you know, those like dollar a day kid things yeah. Or, like he was one of those kids. So he was on TV, you know, and they like in the like late 70s, early 80s, and they're, like for a dollar a day, you can, you know, his kids kid some food and he was one of those kids he got he got selected and he would write letters to um his sponsor and then um they they created a rapport and stuff like that and eventually the, the, um, apple wished to be adopted and brought to the states and his adoptive father uh mr hudgens um obliged got him here got him to um to some of the best ophthalmologists, you know, to see what they can do about his eyes, and and he just stayed.
1: I'm really like, in shock right now. I had no yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one
0: really knows those stories. Like they're kind of like stuff in the in the backdrops. But yeah, like it's all it's it's a lot of hard work, but it's a lot of luck. It's a lot of luck to get that that like literally one in a million. Like he's hit one in a million so many times now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You make, you, you, you make, it, it makes you wonder, like, what the fuck is going on in the universe of things happening for a human being, right? Yeah. Cause you see it like happening to one person a million, uh, one in a million chance, and it happens like 10, 30, 20, 40 times to some person like you Jing is the same way she's this big actress in, in 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 the um vietnamese war she's like our meryl streep and i and i talked to her for four hours and you see the pattern just constantly being lucky just being at the literally right time right place so many times of her life you know crossing the street gets plucked by a hollywood director in saigon it's like <laughs> Yeah. And there's a lot of beautiful women, I mean, uh, you know, yeah. of Vietnam at that time, but why her, you know? Yeah. No,
0: you just, you get, it, it, it feels like it's so often like that, right? Like you're saying, like, it's just, you just happen to be on the right side of the street. You just happen to get the right adoptive father. You just happen to, like, my parents came, my dad, it was telling me during the waning days of the war, he had like, left the post to go back to go back to saigon to check on his family like the 27th or 28th of april right and david the north was advancing faster than anybody thought and he was like i just happened to come home to go check on the family for a day and then suddenly it's like all right put Let's it jump. together jump on a yeah we're jumping on a boat we're we're, we're saying goodbye to everything we, you know we know and it's like yeah what if you what if you were hungover? Like, what if it took one extra day? What if, you know, you had a tire break or any other circumstance that could have happened? You
1: know? But if you think about it, there's, for every one of your dad or for every one of Kuching or Apple, there's mm-hmm. a zillion people who never get out too. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, it's so, I, you have to be like, you have to like constantly kind of remind yourself, you know, or every so often remind yourself of like, what? lucky set of circumstances got you here. Like I have, um, I have, um, uh, we, we call him, we call him Gu, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how much of a he, he actually is, who who's in Vietnam and probably grew up in a, like was in a very similar situation where my parents were when they were living there. And none of the, like no breaks hit him, right? Like he, um, oh, when we were, we were trying to send him shoes one day, a couple years ago. Um, and it was my father had passed, and we were just trying to move some stuff. And I, so I call him, and I'm like, "What? What's, what size feet are you?" And he's like, "I don't know. I've never been able to buy a pair of shoes. I've noticed. And I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> I'm like staring at like this like massive wall of shoes I have over here, like feeling like the biggest jackass. Like, what do you mean you've never measured your feet? And he was like, "I've never had the opportunity to measure my feet for it." You're like, "All right, well, I'm gonna send you like." four different sizes, stuff and you tell me what you want. You tell me what fits and then I will go proceed to send more, you know? And it's just like, yeah, very well could have been life, you know? That was a couple of different decisions,
1: you know? It's just crazy. Yeah. I had another guest uh, tell me a story. It's the same thing. He literally, like people were running in the streets towards the port. And he was running with everybody because bombs are going off.
0: Wow.
1: And they were just all running towards the water. And then people were just like getting to this boat and he just walked onto the boat. Next minute the boat goes and leaves and he finds himself in Thailand and he's like a refugee now. And he just left his family. Holy shit. Fucking like seven years later or eight years later, he's like graduating Berkeley. Yeah, it's crazy shit i i i yeah i have him coming on um uh, i i have that episode releasing uh in a few 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 weeks it's just uh, the weirdest thing that's crazy crazy like there was no family connection there's no like plan it was just like people yeah. running and you run with the people and they're like all of a sudden yeah you're, like, oh, there's the, the, a, a ship the door's opening up and you jump in and you you find yourself in the water and 24 hours later, you're in Thailand or whatever. Oh and my then God. A few years later, like, you know, he gets a few months later, he arrives in um, the Berkeley area and, oh. you know, he stays with the family, a Catholic family or whatever that sponsors him. And then he becomes, you know, a student at a community college transfers into Berkeley. And, you know, next thing you know, he's a graduate of Berkeley, UC Berkeley. And it's, it's just, nice. he said in a matter of eight years, it was just like went from that to that. And it was just luck yeah i'm yeah. beginning to see this a lot i'm just beginning to see how crazy and it makes you um the more you hear these sort of uh stories about mankind and about how lucky or unlucky people get you just have to like release it and let it go and just mm-hmm. live in gratitude constantly just be like okay i'm i'm just gonna accept what comes just do the best i can and not even trip out and compare because i live my first easily 45 years just constant comparing why did my brother get that why did my neighbor get that why did my classmate get? it and it's like what a waste of fucking energy Mm -hmm.
0: it's it really is and it's just you learn levels to so many things right so like even the things that you may be like talking about like you're like why did my brother get this and it's like it's like both of these things mean absolutely nothing to somebody at this level or everything to somebody at this lower level you know and it's just like I, I never really like compared complained about money again when i was like i'm never making as rich as some of these houses i've been in i'm just never like i'm gonna stop like i'm gonna stop trying to think that this is the win like i need that i need to hit whatever whatever infinite number that is so i can buy this thing you know? but,
1: but but you know to answer that too to address what you just said like Literally in three years, you could be like the guy that brings the next J. Ray or whatever. And you create all this like energy being that person that brings all of this Vietnamese product from Vietnam to the United States, you know, because of the work that you've done. And some lucky situation, somebody calls you, sees this episode. I don't know. You never know. And then all of a sudden, five years from now, you're sitting in the house that you were looking at, like when you were coming up and going like, I'd never have a house like this. But I am here right now in this motherfucking massive house you know yeah.
0: no totally but you totally.
1: can't it almost that that's what i've learned you just can't even
0: yeah but like no that that makes total sense but it's like it it takes really like accepting um offers to all of these things and just like kind of like letting go of the insecurities you know that like or like feeling that somebody's too small like so often like in for all the times that like we can talk about like we found a ray or something like that they're like they're like mixtapes of like kids I'm holding on that like blew up one day, right? And I like for whatever reason got too busy to play it. You know when they were like younger, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, I feel like a moron right now. You know I'm just like, um, what, what do you have to say to that? I don't know. Like I was, in, I, was I was project managing something else. This email came in that just like whatever like you know I, I just didn't get to it i'm sorry and now i'm like that person is that person you know and sometimes like i like earlier i'd be i'd feel like i was big wigging it you know i'm like all right i'm not gonna and i'm not gonna bother with that and now i'm like oh, that, I, didn't, I, I thought i knew this market that i had no idea
1: you know wow do, do you um and apple are you guys on the lookout for new talent and stuff and developing new talent at this point always always
0: um yeah we're, we're like taking we're, we're always taking people's like mixtapes or songs or whatever like beats they produce because um I, I just think like the music in asia has moved like we're looking all over we'll look anywhere in the world if you come from south africa and have a really great being i'm, I'm interested um but asia in particular just because that's you know that's home base for us um in the philippines like hip-hop has moved in such a way that i'm like really hopeful you know it they they seem to be in this like um golden era yeah like that like early 90s like tribe called quest feeling stuff you know and it's like oh you guys are having fun with it right now this hasn't been bastardized yet you know but experience this euphoria enjoy it but like let's be part of it um Vietnam, like, I, yeah, we're always looking, like, my, the first time I came back to Vietnam after being a teacher, I was working for Apple, and it was just a, you know, it was crazy, like, there was so much more music, and maybe I just wasn't looking as hard before, you know, but then I was like, oh, there's music everywhere now, and there's, like, live music that's not just covers, and not just um, what feels like Paris by Night, you know, not to, like, knock on Paris by Night, it just wasn't my avenue but i was like oh they're like young people like that are really embracing
1: live music at this point they're different have you heard of rap viet yeah okay yeah competition yeah 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 yeah. i i see rap
0: um jenny when she i saw her instagram stories one day and that's what got me really upset about the whole quarantine because she was at rap viet and a bunch of other people in vietnam were all there and i'm like quarantining at home just like what did vietnam get right that you can all get together and do rap viet and i'm sitting here watching reruns of sports you know like just waiting
1: yeah it's like okay that that's that's that that narrative like a vietnam sort of like being behind or whatever like people need to realize and start to analyze that shit okay so like if you thought that you know and i speak for like a lot of people in my family who thought that they, oh, Vin- the Vietnamese country, you know, the, the government was yeah. lying, you know, they don't have this shit under control. Oh, yeah, they don't have it under control. And why the fuck are they open and we're not?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. I always brought that up. I'm like, you you can't really lie about this. My brother's sitting in Vietnam telling me, no, no, man, we're going to the movies. We, we eat or at the restaurant. No, the fucking shit's about everybody's masked up, you know, wearing the yeah. mask. But yeah. we're doing something fucking right.
0: Yeah, exactly. They didn't like, they didn't demonize the mask, but like one of the great things about Vietnam and, you know, it's like they're building infrastructure now. Right. So they get to use today's technology to do everything correctly. And it's like, you have more information. As long as you like do it correctly, as you're going through this, you're going to have a very sustainable city and some, you know, some great infrastructure and you guys can seem to obey laws correctly. Yeah. And it's, you know, like, here, I think there's such a, you know, like, it's like, a singer, like it's trapped in 75, like, for a lot of people here, you know? Absolutely. And so, like, they, I would come home, I remember, like, coming home and seeing, like, my dad's, like, war buddies and stuff like that after I, like, lived there, and they were just, like, they were, like, asking had I been tortured, you know? And I was, like, nope, not any of that. Like, at worst, like, I, I agreed to pay like 30 extra dollars a month because i i was like i i'm not gonna hang the flag like you just know that now like when batman tank though comes around not hanging the flag not doing that i'm not gonna go to the like random ward meeting you know that you might like you have the ability to call me in for like i'm just not gonna do that so just Landlord, if it's going to cost an extra or whatever, just please get me out of any of these obligations now. And they were like, and other than that, it was fine. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, yeah, it was a great place. And um, like, people like get caught up on like these very like strict, like confined words of like socialism or communism or capitalism. Like it, like they're like black and white and all encompassing. And you're like, I went to public school mm-hmm. my entire life that's as socialist as all this gets you know absolutely right and i'm like and i had starbucks and mcdonald's over there and i paid in money so i don't know what we're really talking about you know
1: there's there's nuances in the political landscape everywhere you go whether it's in like a band of four people, three people like the Black IPs. There's like these political nuances between the members all the way up to the society level as in Vietnam or the U.S. There's there's no place that's like either this or that. It's like there's so much mixture of complexity that we can't, and that's what I'm learning with all the interviews with the Vietnamese people. It's like, we think it's like one I, I used to think that it was just like the culture was a certain way what the way that my mom and dad saw things oh my Mm. god am i learning that it's just there's so many different levels to the people that came from vietnam to the united states there's like the really elite entitled all the way down to the farmer who was like you know every and everybody has their own weird you know story and becoming american and uh we it's not just like a dividing line now like you're a republican vietnamese or you're demo, you know a liberal vietnamese it's just so many mm-hmm. shades in between and i just hope that we can expose sort of all of these narratives um as the years go on it's the most important thing yeah
0: no that that's a really great way of putting it you know like i i've never understood that that complex you know like that like people are so multifaceted with so many um you know responsibilities and moments and like that shape their life that there's no way you fit into any of these boxes you know it's not a single box and so this like two-tier system thing is absolute bullshit you're like so you know like i'm i have to like all of these things they're like yes yes but which one do you like the most and you're like i don't know like i don't know yeah i grew up I grew up with very conservative parents you know and um I, I feel like a lot of those things are still in me but i'm also not identifying with you know yeah gay marriage like that's just like you don't have to put me in that box because i check these other boxes or whatever yeah and so vietnam like so it's so be- i wish people i've had a really hard time getting my friends to go visit um personally because they have lived kind of to what their parents yeah. description and to go back to film and because they haven't seen anything in film really that or in anything that makes them think otherwise, you know what I mean? Like they might see the big Texaco building or something or, and be like, Oh, that's nice. You know, or that's a cool thing. Or like what, like these randoms, like two second snapshots that they might see, but nothing has like driven the, um, them to like want to go visit it so they still have this very stagnant view of the country and and to like live in it for a while and to get to see it is like i watched buildings go up in weeks it was fascinating to see you know like the turnover rate i'm like you want a new building like yeah we got you yeah exactly like that one in um the one in district two that like 88 story building or whatever that yeah Where did that come from? Like I just remember landing, like flying into Saigon and being like, "What's that over there?" And they were like, "Oh yeah, that's the new, that's the new one." It's like and it's not just all the district two, you know, is built out. Highways are built out, and it's, it's, it's really a great. Like I want people to see it, especially as it changes. Like you're not going to be able to remember this version of Vietnam anymore.
1: I um. I went to school with a bunch of Japanese uh, kids when I was in elementary school in the 80s. And um, I remember they had this thing called like Nisei Week, which is like when the uh Japanese they count the generations they're like first generation came in the whatever but way 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 back in the day and then you had the kids that were in the 80s like my age and they were like fourth generation or whatever so they would celebrate the generational sort of like the strata where you were at you know but the disconnect like the older I got the I realized the disconnect between the Japanese that were living in the United States that became Americans after 3 to 4 generations it terrified me to think about my life and being that disconnected from my ancestral roots being born in America right like you and I are born in America i i i cringe when i think about how disconnected the japanese um at that time were disconnected from their own sort of lineage of but they were you know they 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 stuck very much to a uh it, it was weird. It, they, they, the parents sort of really tried to stick to the traditional um, routines that they had in their culture, but they weren't, you know, they were so far removed from anything from Japan that I was like terrified. I was like, oh my god, I, I still speak my language, I still cook the food, and and you know, today I, I think about things in terms of um, my cultural identity, but I can't imagine my kids there being the third generation and being removed from it. And that terrifies me. And I think that's why I do the work that I do now with the the Vietnamese podcast. It's like some sort of genetic uh, DNA link to the culture, some cultural DNA um, to to Vietnam and the motherland to have it preserved in this digital format is so important for me. Oh no,
0: I, the work that you're doing is really, it's actually, tre- it's tremendous. And, and like building these stories out, it, like in this time frame because there's going to be these huge disconnect. Um, talking to my brother-in-law recently and he was like you guys realize like you should figure out like that whole I I forget what it's called but like they do it in Ireland stuff where it's like connect with your heritage and stuff like that so people can like from here can go visit in Vietnam and figure out who the rest of the people are and where this comes from you know because it it my fear is that it's being like all of these stories and all of these moments are being held on by aging people you know what I mean like my mom I remember she, when the first time she visited me in Vietnam, she like took me to like, she took me to like every ancestral home, right? And everything that you could see, she was like, cause once she goes, like no one else has it. Like there's not a clue, right? Like they, and cause they don't have real maps. They're like, you, you make a right at that coffee shop up there. And it's like that coffee shop better be there forever, you know, for me to know where my ancestral home is and where those, uh, and where my you know great grandfather is buried um and yeah like that that it it happens quick right because especially in the first generation of people i feel like you're you're like i grew up um i grew up in a place where there weren't many asian people there were like maybe six of us in in the school you know in ontario and so a lot of it was like you know how to not be bullied (laughs) you know you do not bring rice to school you do not do this you dress american you know and like for me like it like moving to Vietnam is kind of an extreme case of what it takes to like try to re-educate yourself you know like that just doesn't really happen as much I guess so when I talk to my friends it's like it's weird because like we like know some things like my 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 best friend and I are Vietnamese and we had never really talked about being Vietnamese or what the culture was it was always just kind of like yeah, but we'll go, you know, we'll go eat gum hen, like that that's what makes us feel like we're authentic, right? We're like going to eat some real real Vietnamese food. And um but yeah, I never like it, but it's never been about like preserving the culture and anything like that's what you're doing on this podcast, you know, and like being able to like really tell stories and amplify so that you don't have to eat the bowl of gum hen or right? you know like we are all connected in this diaspora far larger than
1: but, but but the beauty too is that there are guys like you that are working um, with a cultural context in your head being Vietnamese, but you're you're, you're operating way outside and, and into the mainstream of, of American culture and and creating products and creating sort of these revenue streams that are way beyond uh, our cultural norms and with the possibility and the potential to bring. All of that sort of thing, all of the knowledge that you've gotten back into the Vietnamese um, world uh, at one point and I you know I always hold out hope for for people like uh, you to you know to bring it back to our country to to, to Vietnam.
0: Yeah, I you know like I, I hope that's what I can do and I hope that's you know, I hope that there are other me's out there that are like trying to do this, and I hope that there are other yous out there. And it's just, I, it's like we have all the infrastructure to do something yeah. really, really grand, you know. And I trying to figure it out the, the correctly the first time, you know. Like you don't, you don't get many chances to like really be in the spot, and so you're like, okay, well, how do you, how do you share? It? And it's like especially when you look at infrastructure there, and you're like. Vietnam is in this great moment right now, I think, where it's just like it's it's, being, it's accepting, businesses are working, but there's still enough open land. Yeah. There's still enough, like, people, like, people are just, like, they'll, it, they'll, it was the last 10 years that they really got the internet on some grand scale. You know what I mean? So you can, you can carve out what is, what they're looking at and what is good. You know what I mean? So it's like, you might as well put some really good shit. Like, if you're gonna watch it, watch some good shit.
1: What, what what, are the, you've been to the Philippines a bunch of times, uh, mm-hmm. what is the difference and the similarities between the Philippines and Vietnam today? Um, <sighs>
0: Vietnam and the Philippines, there's a lot, the similarities are like, it's, it's really crowded and there's like, there's a lot of pride that goes on. Um, there's a lot of pride in the cuisine. Um, the uh, Phil- Manila is like mostly ca- like all- it's exclusively ca- uh, Catholic, whereas in Vien- Vietnam, it's you know, a little 50-50. and um, the Philippines still feels like um, it's a, it's like it feels like America ten years ago. Like you still see Shakeys, you still see Kenny Rogers. There like there are new there are parts of it that are so brand spanking new that there's like BGC, which is the neighborhood there feels like manhattan just wow. clean just very clean you know there's some really really good food like um like republic here in la mm-hmm. they have they have a couple out there same owners they made something else but way cheaper it's like it's a yeah yeah so the the the, the head chefs from republic one of them is filipino and one of them is vietnamese right um but they made yeah they they have a place out there called Wildflower. there's a couple of them and it's for 10 bucks you can eat republic food it's, wow. it's phenomenal it's phenomenal like access to really good street food is um prevalent in both but philippines like it's the traffic is so overwhelming in manila it's just it's just because they're they're on the car so it's like if all of the motorbikes in vietnam were cars Hard. So now you're just not moving. You know what I mean? There is no like there is no swimming in the sea. There is no, you know, none of that. But um they have a lot of languages in the Philippines, which is a little difficult because there's um I forgot how many there's seven thousand islands. And so there's like
1: uh, a couple
0: Yeah, a couple hundred dialects, you know what I mean? And then you're like, you're just never gonna, you're never gonna get it all. But um, if that one feels a little closer to America and Vietnam feels a little closer to Asia. Asia
1: mm. Yeah, you know, that makes any sense. No, it makes it totally. Um, what's your day to day like? Um, I, I know it changes probably during COVID, but like before COVID, what, what's uh, um, a...
0: Before COVID, a lot of it was, a lot of it is emails. Like I'm uh, I, I'm, I'm in talks with what happens in LA, what happens in Manila, what happens in London a lot. Those are like three of the time zones that kind of have to be. And unfortunately they're all like eight hours apart from one another. So you're kind of just on all the time. Um, it's a lot of social media in the beginning and trying to figure out branding strategies. Um and then it's a lot of like trying to think that's a lot of it. It's a lot of phone calls, really, unless I'm somewhere. And then if I'm in a city, then it's how many meetings can I do? Um, and we're trying to work on I tried I work on music, but I don't, but it's not my um it's not my main source of work, right? Like Apple's been in music so much longer than I have that I'm not going to pretend to know.
1: When you say you work in music, what are you actually, you're just listening to see what can uh, what move forward?
0: Sometimes. I mean, a lot of times it's like trying to figure out deals, right? Like percentage points and splits and all and like the, the paperwork side of music and releasing music. And then it's also kind of trying to listen to say, who do you think is going to be Good. Who do you think is next? You know, and then negotiating um, partnership deals. Like when we work with brands now, a lot of my time is spent trying to create winning situations for both sides. Right. That goes beyond just you can have them. You can have them in a commercial. You can use this likeness you know for the duration of three months we will do two social media posts or some shit like that and a lot of it is like well, how do we build something together you know how do we create a longer lasting partnership and all of this because i think that's kind
1: of key so a lot of my day is spent where, where did you learn that where i mean you know there's um yeah i don't know where i learned that um i
0: think that was just kind of i think that's this generations though like i i'm the fortunate thing is because I'm so new into this um, I don't have like a world of experience that I have to like fall back on so it's a lot of looking at the entire 360 of an experience of of a a brand's experience you know so it's like how do you how do you like I said like how do you create something that actually makes sense instead of just having him hold the bottle because that can be very tiresome you know it's like how do you input parts of your story and parts of your um narrative into each of these things that we are creating so that they can feel more authentic to you because for apple a lot of it is like he's not going to be the greatest at like memorizing a script like that's not his game you know but he wants to be able to talk about something freely and you know and be long-winded about it and so if you just tell him like read this tagline you know keep it together it gets difficult and very forcing because he can't he can't see there's like it's like it it looks bad because he has to read like this you know if he does see so you can't do that you can't have a teleprompter and if it's memorized you can tell it's like kind of just you know go and drink this coca-cola you know it it just doesn't it never works Mm. and so um and for us it it's it's about getting more points you know it's about like there's never going to be enough i don't want to say ever going to be enough money there's rarely enough money in an endorsement deal you know without some back end you know so i'll take minimal things up front so that i can um, well back in so i can get the back end yeah george lucas right like whatever keeping on that merch let's like set them up for life like, yeah that's let's do that
1: yeah it there's there's a lot of uh knowledge that you have to bring on a general level to the position that you're in before you even got to where you are to even have the conversation that you have with apple
0: yeah i think so i think it's about like having to like remember all of those experiences right and like try to learn from i think we were earlier we were talking about that gap on friday that whole gap story um and just going like oh so but these are the things that you can do well right so how do you how do you do them well you know and it's like and for age, it's like lever- being able to be like, I know somebody in Vietnam manufacturing that can make this happen, right? Like, like how long do you really want to push this product from this other company until we can just do it on our own and keep and keep the whole pie?
1: You know, what what is your ultimate sort of wish for your life? Like, do you have a, a vision of sort of the work that you want to do? Is this you know? I know it sounds like you're having a great time. But is there something sort of uh, a grander picture? Um,
0: I don't know. I, I, I think I play around with that all the time. I think right now the grand picture is just design um, and the commerce of design, you know, and connecting the dots from everybody that I meet and creating, um, creating this infrastructure that, like, I was, that gets me paid, but gets everybody else paid as well, right? To being like, let's just own everything. Um, and for us and for Jessica, like this becomes like the real first experiment, right? Of um, saying, you know, it's great as if you don't have to learn the lesson in your thirties or your forties, you know, that you should, you should do, and people are doing it like Rihanna is doing it at a young enough age still, right? Where she had done these moves and is then going oh, I can just make it on my own, right? Like I can make my own shoes or I can make my own bikinis or whatever and keep the whole thing. And I, taking all of those experiences of, um, experiences and relationships in Asia, and particularly Vietnam, and taking all that and then I'm reapplying it here because um, I, I just like design. Like I really like, uh commercial design though you know i like i like products and i like all that stuff and i I used to feel really weird and guilty about how much i liked things you know until going like oh i should do something about that and so like how do we create all of those things and you know and create experiences for people you know um yeah i i don't like i probably won't do this for the rest of my life you know um working with apple at least directly but I hope to. you know I, I I hope to like be to work with Apple in some partial sense, you know, even 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 if we're just partners on projects, you know and and telling and crafting stories because this is really a time for us, you know it's a time for um, Asian people to really like make to tell their own stories now and to tell it through everything products and movies and music
1: yeah i have a, one last question um it, it sounds like you have a hectic or you've had a hectic schedule and you are you're married how does it affect your relationship with uh, the family life when you're so busy. Uh, it's not a nine to five job. It sounds like you know, especially three different time zones. And
0: yeah, she's uh, she's been very Mia has been very great about a lot of it. Uh, it is a struggle though, right? She um she's a physician, and so her life is much more structured. Even her long days are structured. You know, so like she might have a twelve hour day, but can tell you exactly that it's gonna be a twelve hour day. And I'm like. Uh, not as great about that you know i'm like eh, i mean it can be home at nine and then be home at two and you know um that's always that's always a difficult one and you know i, I kind of have to remind them, like i'm not the only one in this like i promise it's not just me that's like terrible about time. It's everybody who's ever lived in my world
1: yeah i can't imagine
0: has, has to keep this you know but i'm sure like i'm sure directors and stuff are like this too right like if you're you think it's a 12 hour shoot day and it's an 18 hour shoot day, you know, cause you're trying to get this in or you're waiting for the lighting or you're doing whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's a challenge, you know, and hopefully, hopefully communication kind of keeps through and you show good intent, even if you're awful about timing and you're missing things and you're cooking for a week. Cause you're like, Hey, this is the leftover pile of food, you know, like, i might i hope i'm home in time for dinner might not be you might be home you know whatever um it's gonna be interesting when things open up again and travel becomes a thing and that's gonna be a weird that's gonna be weird for sure it's a
1: strange time yeah but i can't wait can't wait for that to. i hope you and i get to go to vietnam together and seriously yeah um
0: I hope they do Formula
1: One in Vietnam
0: again. The la- That was the time I was supposed to meet Rosalina uh, before she was yeah. just casually like when it was in Hanoi last year, right before the lockdown.
1: Yeah. But did they end up having it? I don't think so. No, they canceled it. It was like supposed to be in April.
0: Yeah. Are they going to postpone it and bring it back though? Because yeah. I will be there for that. Like if if they show up with Formula One in, in Hanoi.
1: Yeah. A group of us had planned to go. Um, yeah. You know, we, we were like ready to go and then lockdown happened and we're like okay that's not gonna happen
0: yeah yeah i hope i get to travel there with you though it'd be fun
1: that would be fun yeah and there's always a crew of people in vietnam because now it's like after 20 years of i mean you know my brother's been there for almost 20 years and guys like bao and jenny and you know ham and lynn all the partners you know they they're they're entrenched there you know so it's it's like there's literally like two homes for entertainment people yeah. We're in Saigon and there's LA and we're very you know, there's always somebody Fairly in sure. LA and there's always somebody in Saigon. There's always cool. a brotherhood, a sisterhood of of uh of of uh, creatives that we, you know, have dinners and we, you know it's very it's a very tight knit group of uh people that uh wonderful human beings.
0: That's awesome. That's that's really cool. Yeah, yeah I can't wait to go again and there's Jones in for it for a minute now.
1: Yeah but uh, Dan, thank you so much for your time and being open. And, you know, I hope that uh, soon in a few months or, uh, you know, you got some more good news or, or, or interesting things. And we come back up on the show and chop it up again, just like we did today. Today's just a, a start. We're just getting our toes wet and uh, you know, there's so much many more years uh, ahead of us to uh, talk about product and, and things that are developing in, in the creative space.
0: Awesome. Thank you for the time. Thanks for having me, Ken. Thank you for what you're doing. And hope to chop it up soon. Thanks, Dan. I'll see you soon.
1: Thank you for listening to The Vietnamese with Kenneth Nguyen. The Vietnamese is produced by Brittany Tran and Javier Proenza. Special thanks to Jane Nguyen, Catherine Nguyen, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Christo Trinh. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Vietnamese Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube where you can subscribe, like, and comment please rate and give us a review wherever you find our podcasts. Thanks again for listening.